This week's podcast is brought to you by the letter G, as in Gerald freaking Swindle. I'm Bob Cobb from the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. Another week and another Mercer podcast. Welcome back to the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast. And with that in mind, we'll jump right into it. A lot of you wondering if I'm going to address it. A lot of you wondering if I'm going to respond. And I am. This is the week that we've all been waiting for. For college football fans, it just started last week. I'm sure you're excited about that. And for NFL fans, dun, 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 dun. tomorrow, Thursday night, NFL football returns to your life in a meaningful way. Uh, and my Chiefs will remain to be the dominant superpower of the NFL that they are. Never mind that one game last year. Um, speaking of dominant superpowers, this guy, I introduce him as incomparable. Incomparable meaning that they, he is not matched in so many levels. And uh, what he brings as far as flair, as far as heart, as far as passion, as far as work ethic, uh, as far as hilarity to the sport of bass fishing is incomparable, unparalleled, and he is pretty amazing. He's a two-time Bassmaster Angler of the Year, and the always look forward to making his first appearance ever on this show, the one and only G-Man, Gerald Swindle. The one and only G-Man. I mean, you need no introduction, but that's the worst thing to say because it's, it seems the more less that somebody needs an introduction, the more introduction you want to give them. So I'll give it to you right now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the incomparable. Gerald Swindle. What's up, G? I like that because I haven't had time all year to ask you because, like, you, you're you the man. Like, people, like, when I'm listening to you blast people off and wave people, I'm like, you know stats. Like, you study. Like, oh, Dave, he ain't just Canadian around doing nothing. He's studying. And then you hit me one morning with the incomparable, and I'm like, God, I might have to ask Dave. And it makes me sound smart. I'm not sure what it means, but it makes me sound smart. I think you are incomparable. I mean, in, in many, many ways. I mean, you, you deliver something to this sport, to this world, not just this freaking sport, but to this world that most people don't. I mean, you really are an incomparable individual. There's so, so incomparable, I believe it means, you know, nothing compares to it. So uh, uh, it sounds good, okay? I'm just trying that, to make you sound okay. cool. If you'll sing that verse one time, nothing compares to you. Remember, wasn't that a song? All right, I, I will do that, but but I'm not just going to like, I'm not just your, uh, I'm not just a puppet to you. I mean, uh, let's see how you do it. <laughs> let's see how you do it this podcast, because I found out it is not the only podcast you're going to be on this week. I mean, you are more booked up than a freaking, I, I don't know, that's your, your, your how much more booked up are you? Well, you're my main guest this week, because I haven't oh. got to do yours. Like, I've been busy this year. We've missed each other a couple of times, so I mm-hmm. haven't got to sit down and do one-on-one with Dave. Yeah. To me, this is like not Dave's podcast. This is one-on-one with Dave. Okay. All right. Maybe we should have called it that. I don't know. I but. like that. I like that. But, you know, it's it's kind of cool to catch up because we – like what's funny is like when Elite Series – because like if I'm home, people ask me all the time, like, what is everybody like? And I'll have guys ask me some kind of like, what's that Mercer like? You know, I'm like, well, he's a fool just, just like you see on stage. I'm like, he's really quick-witted. Are you friends with him? I'm like, as good of friends as you can get with somebody who lives in Canada. You know, I'm like <laughs> – I see the guy 10 or 12 times a year, but I was like, we're always working, working. So we don't get to hang out like like if he lived here. I'm like, yeah. it's, it's really tough to do that. And so everybody's like, think we just fish together all the time. I'm like, no, he, he lives in Canada, bro. He's way up north. <laughs> I'm a real-life Canadian. <laughs> I really, I mean, more and more regulations want me to want to make me American, it seems. <laughs> see, I had no idea that COVID regulation, I mean, there's been some trying months we've been through here. And it's getting stricter, is it not? Yeah, it's, it's. I don't even know what's, do you know what's right anymore? Like, I don't. I, I honestly don't. And that's, that's so, the sad part about this is, there's so much information out there and nobody knows what to believe anymore. And I don't know what's right. I don't want to mask or not mask, to vaccinate, to not vaccinate, to to do this, to do that. It's confusing, man. And I, I think people want to get back to normal. I, COVID is so real. Uh, we haven't even said anything, anything at many people at all about it. But my father, 
for the last three weeks has been at one time, I thought I was going to lose him. Like I've never seen my father this down and out. And I went and seen him today. He turned 80 today. And last week at this time, we wasn't even planning to have his birthday party. And like my dad, when I say my dad has never been in a hospital in his life, Dave, he, he took ibuprofen for the first time last year. He would lived on it. He took two ibuprofen. Wow. He never takes medicine. He's unvaccinated. My mother is vaccinated, but they both had it. Yeah. My dad got a little worse than my mom and he mentally gave up. A couple of nights we're talking to him and he's just like, I- I'm going to die. I told your mom to get everything together. I'm like, dad. So like, we're trying to give my dad this pep talk. Like, Hey, you're not going to be a one percenter. The swindle is not going to be the one presenter. I'm like, if I can zero in the classic, you can beat COVID. Okay. And I just didn't do it once dad. I did it twice when I won AOI. So quit, you know, so we, I see this, the severity of COVID, but I don't know what's right and wrong. I mean, you guys are like super strict. We're super strict. Down here. Like, I don't know what to do. I, don't, I honestly don't, man. I, I wish I had the answers. Yeah. I, I don't know what's right. I mean, but I do know, you know, you guys had it. I had it. And I do know just like your dad felt. It's not like a normal sickness. Like after you have it, you're like, people want to compare it to the flu and to whatever. But after you had it, you're like, yeah, this is not the flu. Like you feel it no. move through your whole body, I felt. The flu doesn't mess with you. I don't. I think mentally, like like COVID does. Certain people yeah. it affects mentally, and especially someone who's never been down. My dad's never been down, so all of a sudden he finds himself not being able to get up or down or do anything. So mentally, it broke him. It wasn't as much as the pneumonia or COVID. It was so strong it broke him mentally, which I think is a whole new factor of what COVID does to people. It really does take a hold on you. Like Leanne and I. We never felt like we were going to die. I had a few days during that 30 days. I thought I might have wished I was dead. <laughs> like it was that bad. But, you know, it's a ser- it's very serious disease or, 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 or I say virus. But, you know, you and I laughed about it the other day. I was like, wouldn't it be different if all these medicines we took had a different side effect? Like <laughs> just one time, like if the vaccination, because they first start saying, well, if you get vaccinated, it's like you hear all these theories, you know, that it causes diarrhea, hair falling out erectile dysfunction what if it just said i got all three what if it just oh, said sorry did i say that out loud? <laughs> what if it just said like permanent wood the only side effect permanent wood there would have been people lined up it would look like a garth brooks concert i'll take two two shots both arms it's never any good side effects like uh could cause extreme singing and it would be great to hear like you, you're like oh you make me sing so i'm gonna go get it but like all medicines cause these crazy after effects. And you're like, I don't know. You know, I just, I don't know. I'm confused. And I'm worried that it's going to sneak into our fishing season next year again. You think, I mean, the way it's, it's building, you know what I mean? Like, but I don't even know what to believe anymore. You know what I, I mean? Like, I, I laughed at Leanne and I the other day. We're trying to like cipher through news and we were like, you know what? If it's not hidden or deleted, <laughs> It's not true anymore. Like I'm to that point where if it's if, the, if it hasn't been banned from the internet, then it's probably not true. <laughs> and that's bad because I don't know. Well, let, let me ask you this: Pfizer makes one of the the shots, obviously one mm-hmm. of the one of the most talked about shots. They also make Viagra. Do you remember anybody like putting Facebook posts up? Do not take the wood bearing gift. Do not <laughs> see what I'm saying. Right. If they'd made it, like if they put a little of that in the vaccination and said you may experience, I'm be like, ah, God, I'm going to get this shot, you know. So I'm like, and then you see the guy that's like, what is the CEO of Pfizer? He's on a talk show and asking, have you been vaccinated? Oh, no, 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 I haven't. Yeah, he said, I didn't want to jump in front of anyone. There's me and old Dave over there trying to figure out if he can get from Canada to America to do some MC. And so we're like, do what you got to do. Cause like you literally could next year, you may have to see like come down and not go back for a while. Correct. If it doesn't yeah, well, up. And this past year, I mean, since this started, there's been a lot of that. I mean, Gussie stayed down a lot for, for basically the whole season. Yeah. Um, I, you know, obviously have a family at home and he was lucky, you know, Shelby could come with him and, uh, so I traveled back and forth, but there was a lot of times where we would do back-to-backs and I would stay for the whole three weeks in between just to nullify the the crossing the border and all the crap that wow. goes with this. And here's the kicker, dude. So after months of doing that and nullifying it, I crossed one of the last few times I had to cross this season. And the guy says, well, you're not a cross-border worker. And I said, well, why? 
And he said, well, you haven't been crossing the border enough, it says. I mean, you've only crossed, you know, this month he crossed a few times and this month, but there's too much time. And I'm like, so because I've done the right thing and stayed down here, it's what you, I mean, it's just such bull crap, dude. There's that. He got in trouble. This is so not the show people expected to tune into. No, but I mean, this is what you and I think about. People don't understand that we we need medicine sometimes. They just won't give it to us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I keep waiting for you to go down on stage with your back ached up one day when I walk up there and just throw the mic up and go, I'm down. I'm a cramp, cramp. <laughs> My heart. You're tired. You're standing there all day. I'm like, these guys were out up there. I mean, no, because you know what I do every time when I'm up there, it's hot and it's sweaty. And somebody's telling me about the fuel economy of their motor. Fuel economy of their motor. My motor makes gas. I'm going to do that next time you ask me. I'm going to say my Mercury motor makes gas. <laughs> I bought 40 gallons when I got here. And now I've got 58. After four days. <laughs> I'm manufacturing fuel. But but right at that moment, I usually stop and think, and usually I don't have to look far. You know, we're around a public park or something, and you see some dude digging a ditch. And I'm like, you know what? That's real yep. work. As long as yep. I can just do this, uh, it's not real work. Kind of like Ben at Sabine, and when you leave the way in and you really didn't catch him that good, and you get on I-10, and there's like 400 construction workers in that heat out there digging, and I'm like, ah, oh, God, fishing in that place wasn't that bad. I'll get better tomorrow. <laughs> I'm kind of over a lot of construction going on in Sabine. Big potholes on I-10. <laughs> so what do you think? I'm going to reflect the script. So what do you Please. think about this year's schedule? We, we finally got them all, kind of got our tournaments lined out. What do you think? We're going, we're going to be good for you? you think I, I think I think it looks pretty decent. Um, I think I'm no different than a lot of people. I probably, to be totally honest, I would have liked to see Something oddball, something totally different, something brand new. Um, mm -hmm. But I also understand that the world we're living into, you know, it, it, I mean, it was hard to book a bass tournament a few years ago, and it must be incredibly hard right now with everything going on. So I, I think it's a fairly strong schedule. What What do you think? I think so. I'm kind of like you. I, I think as, a, as just a fisherman and doing a long time, I'd like the change or the mix up. But I do understand that we're pretty limited on towns taking a big influx of people and gathering. So COVID kind of puts a squash on where we go, but I'm always up for the changes like the new tournaments. I think even South Dakota going out of a different end is going to be a kind of a cool factor. Yeah, because that's the most important thing in that tournament, isn't it? I mean, I remember when we were there, you know, we bring up all these things that we talk about on live, you know, how far somebody could run. The limits for running in there was literally how far you could get with gas because there was nowhere yeah. else to buy gas, right? It was crazy. And I thought a lot of guys have asked me, like, hey, man, what's South Dakota like? And I'm like, big, <laughs> uh, big. I'm like, and they're like, can't be that big. I'm like, it's big and it gets rough. And I'm like, dude, there's not. A, but and we're going out of the right end this time. But I said, a lot of guys that I caught and ran that 60 or 70 miles toward the direction we're coming out of. So I said, it could be incredible. I mean, I talked to Carl the other day. He's up pre-fishing. He said he's catching 100 a day. He said it's an incredible place. I'm like, sounds fun to me. Let's go. South end. That would be the north end or the south end? Uh, yeah, whatever north. end this GPS sends me to. Just follow Siri, don't you? Wherever yeah, I'm so lost I'm without Trip. <laughs> <laughs> trip would usually be texting me, well, are you going to show up? Well, send me the address, Trip. I'm on my way. <laughs> trip still got game because he texted me in one of the tournaments that caught a pretty decent end. He said, good job, girl. <laughs> oh, so you got jokes, don't you, Trip? He just laughs. <laughs> Got jokes, but I hey, he's doing good too. You know, he's yeah, kind of fishing some, but it, it is kind of weird, you know, because Trip was the direction for Dave. He would he kept you in check for everyone, really. I mean, but yeah, he definitely did. I mean, that did Trip. Uh, I learned the rules. Let's just put it that way. Oh, I did too. <laughs> I learned some ones that didn't even know I needed to know, but I learned them. You know, he would. He was the man. He 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 was he was like the guy that like. I think as, as anglers, as doing it as long as we can, all jokes aside, I think Trip Weldon will probably always be remembered as the greatest tournament director to ever walk across that and, and run that stage. As a person and a guy who knew the rules and fished and didn't make hasty decisions, could he get up tight and was he stressed? Absolutely. He had a stress-bearing job, but he was as fair as he could be, and he he knew that he knew the rules. Jack, if you called him, huh, you finna get an answer. <laughs> What does it mean to you? And like, obviously, Trip just retired a little while ago. He's a few weeks away from officially being inducted into the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame. 
done a bunch of podcasts and, and said it on this podcast, but but brought up that DQ with you at the Classic. The I'd not have done that. Randy Howell deal. He brought that up as one of the toughest things in his life. And not just because of the call. He said, because of the person that I had to make the call to. You guys were roommates at one time. But what was that like? It was tough, man. You know, and, and it's like I told him on the stage that day. I, I did at that particular time, I didn't have to agree with it, but I knew I needed to respect Trip's decision. We were that good of friends. So no matter my emotion was, I, I had to respect Trip's decision and know that this is what come down. You know, it's just part of the game. You learn what you do, what you, what you shouldn't do. Was it, we don't know, but like that was Trip. Trip didn't play favors, man. If you, if he thought it was something he had to do, he had to do it. And that just, him and I room together and people don't understand. I'm like the trip that used to room with me fishing was funny. Like trip had jokes. Like he was constantly joking, but I'm like trip could so be so professional like that. But the, the walk that he had, I think he had to do that because it come down, he had to DQ me and, and we were friends, you know, he's friends with my mom and dad. We're family friends. And I'm, I'm going to stay with trip. He has invited me to come stay with him at Lake Jordan this winter when I fish a little ABT and I'm excited to go, hang out with what I call a friend, not a tournament director, but he's most definitely going to be uh, a great one to see in the hall of fame. He's a legend. And he kept you straight, which I am really impressed with because he would get you, Dave, you know, he would check you. <laughs> Dude. I, I mean, I thought high school was over, but I, 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 I did not have a coworker. I had a principal. Hey, you would be up there doing some of your funny stuff and I'd be giggling. You'd see him. He'd take them glasses and push them down and look. I'm like, Oh, Dave's in trouble. <laughs> People talk about that Hackney side eye. I'm going to tell you, Hackney ain't got crap on Trip Weldon. He can give you a side eye. But I will tell you a funniest story about him. And I I, I just remember it because I told Hank about it a little while ago. And I'm like, so Trip would give me signals. We'd never rehearse it or anything. But there's D times where they'd say you got to stretch or you got to speed up or whatever. You know, and you just, you just learn that that's what you got to do, right? So there was like almost a whole season that like I was firing through the way and trust me, I, I, I go as quick as possible and try, but trip kept going like this. And I'm like, what the, I mean, no matter what I did, I'm looking over and he's going like this. And I'm like, I can't, one day I'm finally like trip. I can't go any faster. And he's like, well, no, the pace is good. What's the problem? And I said, well, you keep telling me to speed up. And he's like, no, my arthritis. <laughs> So for an entire season, I fired you guys through faster than I should. He was bidding us off. Five, 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 five. Drew Ben got two point five seven 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 nine. It's like no, it's just authorized. It's just authorized. That's the cool stuff that, like, when you watch him, you're like, "Yep, that's trip. That's trip." He's great. So, like, what is Labor Day like in Canada? Because, like, you're asking me, was I laboring today? And I can tell you, like, my immediate thoughts on Labor Day down here is, I'm like. There's a lot of folks today that probably went to a cookout today. Damn good and well, you ain't worked in two years. And that ain't right. Don't be going to eat nobody's hot dogs if you've been getting a little stimulus check from the mailbox, huh? Okay. It's Labor Day. We got to just, if you're working. So I thought it would have been a good idea if you had to show your 1099 to get to the cookout this year. Now, that would have been a good little old deal. If you ain't worked in two years, why are you getting a hot dog? <laughs> It's a joke. There's nobody working. It really is ridiculous. Like as we travel around, that's the one thing I've said to people no, that really works. stood out to me this year, because when you travel around, you have to go to restaurants and you have to do different things like that. There's nobody anywhere. Nobody. Chick-fil-A can't even like down here, still can't open up some of their dining areas. So like I'm joking about it, but I'm like, a lot of you folks is cooking out today and celebrating Labor Day. And you ain't worked in two years because half the restaurants in Gunnersville have went from Six days a week to four days a week to three days a week. Nobody shows up to work. I don't get it anymore. I mean, I, maybe you and I've got the wrong job, but we got to show up to work. I, I don't understand what's happening in the world right now. <laughs> I, I really don't. I mean, it gets more confusing every year. It's, it's, hmm. it's, I've said it. I think we need an, an alien invasion swindle. So everybody just gets on the same page because everybody is more concerned with somebody that is just like them being elected or somebody that is, is just like them being their boss or somebody that's just like them being their hero, but that they're no, none of them are concerned with it being the right person. You know what I mean? And I don't mean to get all political, but it's, it feels like everybody that's how they look at things. And so many people are affected by 
Like if you don't agree with how they think, whether it's political or anything, then you're wrong and you can't be friends. And I'm like, just because it's what you think doesn't mean it's right. And because I think different doesn't mean I'm right or wrong. But like there's no splitting down the middle anymore saying, you know what, we just agree to disagree. Let's move on. It's so like polar opposite. Like you say, oh, if you didn't do this, well, I hate you. You know, and now this is huge. If you're not vaccinated, we hate you. And if you're vaccinated, well, we hate you. And I'm like, it's not anybody's business. I don't know what the deal is, you know, but it's you're seeing this. And I'm like, I don't know that we're going to have a big team hug anytime soon. It's concerning. It is. It is. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't, I don't get what's going on in the world, but I do, I do like our little world, our little fishing world. We we're, have we're, a simple world. We do have a simple world, don't we? I mean, yeah. I really look at my life and I think it's exactly the way I wanted it to be because I, it's just like when I was a kid, man, I don't feel, you know what I mean? I do things that are fun and, and we're very lucky that way. I think, and I've said it before, like I've been on the floor nominated for an ESPY award. And when I come back home, I looked around this small fishing world and I'm like, I'm happy being right here. You know, I might not sell $40 million worth of sneakers each year, but I like the people I run with. I like what we do. I got a lot of pride in it. So like the fishing world is the only thing I want to be. And I guess that's, you're truly said it. It's kind of my world. You know, that's, you wait for it to end every year. You might be tired and burn out, but come January, you're like, man, I'm ready to get started. I'm ready to see everybody again, which is kind of, kind of, I don't know that I'd feel that way about any other job. What well, what makes the sport of competitive fishing, in your opinion, the best sport in the world? Or do you think it is the best sport in the world? You know, I think from, from a player standpoint, from an angler standpoint, it's probably, they think in our mind, it is the best sport in the world because so many people can experience the same thing, the catch, the loss, the winning, the weighing in the big bag, having a bad day. Everyone's experienced that. So you have a lot of the same feelings in common where 99% of the people I know are never going to walk on a pro football field. They're never going to play pro hockey. So they're never going to know what it's truly like to, to, you know, hit a hole in one, drive 400 yards or nothing like that. But the guy at the gas station caught a six pounder in a club tournament and I caught a six pounder in the classic. It's the same way to the fish. It's the same excitement. I think that's the greatness of it. It's everybody can relate, which makes us think it's the greatest sport in the world. And it's a lot of family. You know, I don't know that it's that way in a lot of other sports. You know, I, I'm not, I don't go to many pro games, but to me, it feels like the greatest sport in the world. Do you think that's because it doesn't, I mean, I've always looked at it as when you look at a, a kid that's good at football, a kid that's good at baseball or anything, by the time they're 12 or 13 years old, that's already been turned into a business in their head. Maybe they don't look at it like that, but there's people around them that do, whether it be coaches right. or something like that. And it's a business. And, and then as you move through the ranks, you play in college and whatever, and your job's to get to the NFL and you do that. And But it's always a business. Where fishing, I mean, everybody I know that, I mean, my dream for this when I first started was, I just want to fish for a living. That's all of, you know, everybody had a number in their head if I could make this much, but it wasn't that much. I mean, it was just the opportunity to be able to get up in the morning and go fishing every day. Well, you're, when you're, when your office is the outdoors and I don't know, like when I watch sports, I don't know how many pro players you watch that say they're still truly in love with the game that I don't know. Yeah. And, and a lot of people fish for the love of the game. And a lot of people, love to tournament fish so much because of the failure rate. And I'm not so sure that in the NFL or any other sport that that's, that's the same. You know, if you fail a lot in those levels, you go home. In this sport, you can have a pretty good year and be 50% across the board, but it's the times that you didn't catch them drives you to want to go more. So I think it's so different in that that we experience it single-handedly. We have something in common with everybody from the tackle store, whether they're in Canada or they're in Mississippi. If you bump into somebody in a tackle store and you're both wearing some fishing apparel, you pretty much know what you do and you got something to talk about. So to me, that's what probably makes it the greatest sport in the world. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. If you, if you had to break fishing into three different assets, and this is competitive fishing, if you had to break it into three different assets, one was um, mental, you know, the not the, the, the the mental side of it meaning, meaning knowledge, the physical side of it, your ability, you know, your ability to do, to actually do it. And then um, attitude, 
I mean, I probably shouldn't have used mental for the first one. Let's just go knowledge, physical, and mental being the three different assets. If you had to break them up into percentages for a successful tournament angler, where do you think that needs to break down? The attitude's the number one. Number one. The mindset and the attitude of an angler controls their destiny. You can be the great caster and great skill set. You can be mentally very aware of the surroundings and understand how to catch them. But if your attitude's not correct, you're not going to be there. And one thing that I've, I've, I've really like learned as I got older is like watching this season, like I'm watching fighter this season and, and Patrick Walters and watching Polinick, they sometimes made it look easy. You know, they got this swagger about them. It's just all about the attitude. They get the right attitude. They get the right momentum. There's a lot of anglers standing all around them that know just as much about fishing as sometimes maybe not may, may even know more about that. But their attitude controls their destiny. So I'm going to say I put attitude up there with number one in the fishing business is, is your attitude, your approach, uh, the ability to stay positive. Really enjoyed it this year. Leanne and I got to camp and hang out more around Carl and Caleb Jogginson. And I'm just telling you, I like Carl's attitude day in and day out to see that smile. Dude, is contagious. Yeah. So attitude to me, uh, knowing fishing, the mental side, I put number two everything else is just in there. Like you can be a poor caster and have the right attitude and you can still win. Attitude. Yeah. Is. Attitude. I think attitude wins in everything in life. Really? You, it, it does. There it was doesn't a player, matter what the job is. There was a player for Alabama uh, this past weekend. He didn't get to play and somebody had a picture of practice and Nick Saban had his arm around him. He did. He didn't even let him dress out on game day. And he had his arm around him in practice and was doing a write up about it. And they said, what are you doing? And he said, it's all about the attitude at Alabama. And he said his attitude was a little bit off, so he said he didn't get to get on the field. And I'm thinking, what a strong statement that he says the attitude is what wins games. And if your attitude is not the same across the board, then you got to sit out. Then you realize the power of that is, is kind of what makes it click. You can, have, you can have one or two bad tournaments, get caught up in negativity. And next thing you know, you want to break all your fishing poles and run over mailboxes all the way home. And that you can't make a living like that. Trust me. I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> but when you say it's everything, it's also the hardest thing in the world, because no matter how much, you know, it's everything. If you're in the wrong headspace, you can't just like shift a gear and be like, Oh yeah, I need to go back there. You know why? Because we don't have, we don't have the Nick Saban or a coach to call timeout. And call me over there and say, hey, so I'm going to put my arm around and tell you something. Your attitude sucks, okay? We don't have that. That's the, yeah. the weirdest thing about fishing is once Dave Mercer blasts us off and they check you out, for the next eight and a half or nine hours, there's no way out there to stop the game, to stop it from moving forward. So if your attitude sucks, it's going to suck all day. So you have to be able to try to play tricks with your mind and say, okay, I'm just had a rough two hours. Let's just keep digging. And I always say that's how you tell the greats from the greatest. The great fishermen – they can kind of hold it together, but the greatest fishermen, you'll see them go three or four hours without a bite, and all of a sudden, you'll see somebody come on Bass Line and say, hey, Jason Christie's making a big move right here at the end of the day. Those are the guys that just keep grinding. They mentally never check out. That's what I think I admire about fishing is watching that guy that painted himself in the corner and then worked his way all the way out. Is uh, Has live exposed that properly? You know, I think in the past when you guys would go and, and you go and you catch a bunch of fish at some point in the day and you come back, but live has really exposed the true part of the sport that nobody got to see, I think. And that's, I, I always use the example of, of when Aaron won on Chesapeake Bay. I mean, all morning long, the story was Aaron's going to lose. Aaron's, you know, he's yep. got the lead and it's going to fall from his hands again. And, and, and then he catches a seven pounder at like one o'clock in the afternoon. It all changes but none of that seven pounder doesn't have that same impact if I don't see him crumbling for hours before that. It goes back to the greatness, what makes it greatest. And I think live has really, really let the average fisherman, even the fan, avid fan, get inside the boat and see the emotional roller coaster, which I think it's good to, to show that. I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with failure. I think there's the biggest problem I have with failures if you don't learn from it. So sometimes by watching a guy make a few mistakes on the water, if he can learn from it and you can learn from it, then it's a win-win, you know. But th that's the one thing about having that camera there. You can't – I can't tone down the emotion. Like if I'm pissed, I'm pissed, you know, and I have to – I'm getting better about controlling that, but you can't. Like, when, But when you catch them, you get fired up. 
Yeah. You really tell for guy what he's all about because he's he's wanting to high five everybody. That's what kind of draws me in. That's why I like the five fish limit because you know what's on the line. You know what one three pound fish means, not twenty three pound fish. I want to know what the next six ounces means to the guy who catches it. I love that format and watching that emotion when it goes right. Was there a feeling for you when is was that the biggest? I mean, going and fishing the other format. And it's not an us against them thing. I'm not trying to stir the pot or anything, but I would just think as a person, you know, for me to go, if you said go MC that, it would be different. It's not what I'm used to. It's, it's, it seems simple. You're just catching more, whatever. But was that a lot to get used to for you? Or was it just the bass dream wasn't there? What, what was the? I just, it was a lot of uh, different things. Um, that's not my style. However, I'm a junk fisherman. I like to fish fast. That's just not me, man. I don't normally start out blazing. Like I say, my fishing days are like cooking in a crock pot. You turn it on low and you let it simmer for nine hours because that's how you've learned to fish. So I really didn't adjust well to coming out strong like that. Uh, it was so many different ways to try to practice and, and understand it. But what I really missed the most was the, the bass stream, the classic, the stage, the fans, I'm going to be honest with you. I did not like weighing in and with no fans. That's just not me. That's the fans are what picked me up on a bad day. You know, when I come in and make jokes with you on stage, we laugh and, and we've had a good time up here and you're the best at like kind of just opening the door up and letting me go. But some days I'm just saying that to redirect the anger because I didn't get the job done, you know, and I, I miss that. I miss the fans being able to talk and interact because it kind of helps let, keep you in check. And then I miss structure, and I miss the structure of the nine-hour day. This is what we do. This is what we practice. I never even realized I was a structure-driven person till I didn't have it. And then I just yeah. woke up one day and I'm like, I miss the structure. I, I miss the same takeoff, the same guys. So it was just a combination. But it's a totally different strategy fishing that way. It's funny. I, I write like I when I do these things, I just have a conversation generally. Cause I, I'm used to that. I think, you know, if you give a bunch of questions that you've pre-canned, it'll sound smart, but it doesn't, it's better to have a conversation, but I did write on a little piece of paper to not bring up both leagues. Cause I'm just tired of the, the, it, it seems every time I tune into a really, podcast, it's us against them. It, and it shouldn't be. It, it's no. not, it's not us against anybody anymore. It's everybody's choice to fish where you want to fish. And you know what? long as people's fishing, that's fine, man. And I'm, I'm totally at peace with that. You know, the organization I choose to fish, that's my decision. This is my dream. It has nothing to do with anybody else. Not saying what they do is wrong or right. This is my choice. And I think the sooner people look at it like that, because we still get that question. Guys know I'm fishing. They're like, Hey man, what do you think about that? Hey dude, they, they, they got their way of doing things and we got our way of doing things. Hey, everybody needs to be the best. As long as people are fishing, at the end of the day, there's more people fishing. Try to get some more eyeballs on the sport. We're going to grow. I just like where I'm at. I like where you're at, too. I'm, 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 I'm happier there. I'm happier there. My wife is happier there because she didn't like me being as stressed as I was on the other side. So, like, you know, it's funny how that coming home, I can remember that first tournament back. I mean, maybe the first couple of tournaments, like, I was anxious, like, nervous. Like, I didn't know if I would be received well. I didn't know a lot of people. It was like coming home from college or something. I'd been in trouble. Like it was really weird to know that. And then once everything settled in, it was just like a million pounds been lifted off your shoulder. You just get in there and start fishing. And it has kind of been fun this year. Last year, I honestly, Dave, I struggled some tournaments to have fun like I should and make it fun this year. I kind of got back in that, you know, it is what it is. Let's just go fishing. And it, it, it worked out a little better for me. When you say you struggled to have fun, was that just because you were putting so much pressure on yourself? I mean, I'm back and I need to catch them in every tournament to prove that I belong here. If I don't yeah. I need to make every 10, top 10, I, I need to do this, I need to do that. And at the end of last year, what I really need to do is just be fair to myself and fish. You know, I didn't owe anybody anything else outside of that. And I kind of shorted myself because it was just a little too much pressure. You know, you'd like, I'm going to do better. And it was just that that's what exactly what we talked about, the mental state of the, of the game. Nobody could control that. I didn't have a coach call timeout and say, listen, bro, it's cool. You just fish the next tournament and have a good time. And by the end of the year, like I'm just, I'm like right outside the bubble of the classic. I have a fish. Good. I've lost a few key fish. I'm like, I'm wanting to stomp on baby chickens on the way home. I'm like, <laughs> just relax, fool. So this year I'm like, you know what? 
I'm going fishing. It doesn't matter if I ever win one or if I make another top 10, just go fishing. And it kind of started to click a little better. And I kind of found the rhythm and it's, it's so fun to watch now. I guess as you get older, you can look at some of these guys and say, these guys have got the rhythm. They got, we got some really good, really, really good young anglers out there. And it's kind of yeah. fun to watch them. It ain't fun to get your ass kicked by them over and over, but it's fun to watch them. <laughs> are they at least respectful after they give you that ass well, kick? Some of them are. Some of them kind of look at you like, I got you, Pops. And I'm thinking, okay, okay, I got you. You know, they got, I'm, I'm limping around on these bad knees, but it's funny to see that generation of young anglers coming up. And I like, people might not know some of them as well as you're going to know them, but some of them kids have the desire, have the dream. The West Logans, the Kyle Welchers, and some of them guys, they're going to be around. Dave Mercer's going to be calling the name out on that Bassmaster stage for a long time. Yeah. It, I actually think, you know, that whole nobody predicted – nobody looked at how things would affect bass, but I also think it couldn't have happened at a better time because if you look at it, you, the Kyle Welchers and, and the West Logans and people like that, there was an excess of those guys – looking for somewhere to go. You know what I mean? So it all, yeah. it all came together. Um, and, and I think everything worked. I really, I, I'm a believer in everything happened the way it was supposed to. Even so I used to think, gee, you know, you were in when, when the big separation happened, there was a meeting where it was 15 pros or so that you guys, you're, you said, Hey, let's relook at this if we can stay. Yeah. And, and you guys didn't end up staying. And for years I used to think, man, if they stayed, how different does this, I think everything happens for a reason. You know, I truly think it, it took it took everything to happen for that to make it as yeah. monumental as it is. Hey, boy, I don't want to hear nothing out of you over there. So you have to get one of them every now and then over there. <laughs> Keep hollering at me. But, you know, I think everything happened for a reason. And it when you look back on it, it was a good reason. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, I, 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 I've had people say, do you regret your decision? I have decisions I'm going to regret at the time I make a decision thinking I did the right thing. Was it the right one? No. Did it need to happen? And, and did it work out for the best? Absolutely. Yeah. So with that said, you're like, we got a lot of new faces, got a lot of new opportunities. People have got a chance of a new career. I mean, you look at Carl Jockinson, he got, he got his invite back and he's made it count. And I think he's one of them guys that's, he's, he's one of them guys that can change the sport with his attitude. And I like oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. If it, oh, and, it, and, it, and I like to hear him say glider because I, I, I always hit him with a glider. When I see him, I'm like scream at him all the time. I'm like, are you getting him with a glider? <laughs> and then I come by the bridge this year and I'm hollering at him. Hey, are you getting him with a glider? And he just and say, he got him with a glider. All right. He glided me upside the head with it. So He won't weigh yeah. into the land down under. I'm like, from the land down under. Yeah. Like, because he says Australians won't like it, but I'm like, you're in America. Screw Australia. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you don't eat like, like, like Aussie fries or nothing. He goes, that's not a real thing. And I'm like, well, it is an outback. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's good times. But you know, I found Dave that I I've enjoyed spending a day. Like I, somebody else I got to know this year was Gussie. I got to spend a day just, just fishing with Gussie and hanging out. And I'm like realizing it's a really big opportunity for me to get to know a lot more people and see, get to know a different side of call, get to get, get to know Gussie and watch these guys. And you're like, Gussie's a salt of the earth, man. I mean, like oh. that's the best dude ever. Like yeah, I see yeah. why I see like why everybody pulls for Gussie so hard. Cause he's that guy. Yeah, he is. And, and my biggest worry about him coming to the elites is that he was too nice. Like I was like, this dude is going to get run over. And then he told me he was rooming with the Johnstons, and I'm like, you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not all Canadians are as friendly. Let's just put it that way. Yep. And Those he, little bastards have been ripping people off in this country for years. I'm glad they're finally attacking America. <laughs> There's the old snow leopard. He's just lurking around doing his deal, you know. Yeah, so I think it's uh, and we have you studied the new guys coming in this year? Have you looked at that? I don't even know who the new guys are coming in this year, it isn't decided yet, is it? I know the open's not over, so I guess we're gonna have to wait and see what all comes in. Why would you put me on the spot like I that? I don't know, I was just messing with you, see if you're ready because you know, <laughs> if I could have caught you not studying, but like I'm not ever gonna catch you not studying, like you know, how do you remember all that stuff? I just make it up, dude. And as long as you go high, nobody ever corrects you. If, you, if somebody, if somebody's won five tournaments, classic winner. 
<laughs> you're good. You're good. He's Always 11 years that. old. He's won the classic 32 <laughs> times. So what's your, uh, give me a pick on Greenville, South Carolina this year so far. The guys, you know, that's in, you got any favorites going into that? Can't pick uh, favorite. I mean, uh, you gotta go Greenville. Cobb. I mean, I don't think anybody knows that body of water better than Brandon Cobb. I mean, that'd be my. Him or Patrick Walters are going to be a hand. Yeah. 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 There's a few. And then Hank Cherry will be a player there. And yeah. Why don't you just freaking win it, Swindle? Because well, the last time I was there, I thought I had a chance and I got all geeked <laughs> out because I'm chasing a guy named Jason Christie wearing an Indian headband over there. And I'm thinking, well, he's going to catch 18 pounds. He, he, I, I'm going to have to catch 22 to beat him. And I went out the last day and fished a little dumb, and I just should have went and done my job and caught 15, you know. But nobody bets against Jason Christie. I'm not going to bet. You never leave the ramp going, oh, he he's not going to catch him. Uh-uh. You bet he's going to catch him. So I'm going to do my homework this year. I like Hartwell. It's a good lake. It just depends on conditions and will we have the high water, the dirty water. I think that's going to dictate your winners. You know, you got your – you got your clear water guys like the Patrick Walters. I feel like if it's low and clear and cold, he's going to be a handful. You know, he's super, super in tune with live scope and what he's doing. Yeah. The heron will be bunched up. Then I think you got some dirty water guys that can kind of flow like largemouth or spotted bass. It could be interesting. So we'll have to wait and see what the water color does. But so you're just going to win it, right? I'm going to go try it. I can promise you if I do, it's going to be one hell of a party, Mercer. You're not going to miss it. <laughs> you always said you would flip Trip Weldon up down and use him as a post hole digger. <laughs> and then I don't know whether it changed. I sometimes you were punching me in the throat. Sometimes you were headbutting me. I don't know what I think what that's very. I don't think we could say that about Lisa. That would be very politically incorrect. <laughs> so we're just going to have to hug Lisa and run off the stage and <laughs> get in the truck and do burnouts or something. But like I'm, I still have that dream, man. I never give up on the on winning that classic. I've stood there a couple of times and been close. And since we went to the wintertime classics, I mean, just to be honest, I've had more mediums to just fair showings in yeah. the cold weather classics than I have good showings. I did a lot better when it was warm, and I feel like I'm a little bit better cold water fisherman now. So it's one of them. I still have that dream, and I know it's it's just very possible to go up there and win that thing. And it'd be fun, you know. I, I I never give up on what it would be like. You know, I've got I was just out in my shot work and I got a lot of trophies out there, but I sure would like to have that one. When you were a little kid, did you? I mean, I know when I was a little kid, I mean, when I went fishing in my little aluminum boat, I mean, it was a bass boat and I was winning the Bassmaster Classic. And did you did you do that? I mean, did you did you, did you talk to yourself while you fished just like it's, me? It's funny as a kid, like we didn't have cable TV till I was like, well, in my twenties. So I never got to really watch the show and my dad got the magazine, but we worked so much. I didn't really get to look through it. So I was a little later in life catching on to the whole, the Bassmaster heroes and like early stages of that. But I still like I'm 50 fixed to be 52. And when I fished with my nephew the other day, we're in a Sunday evening tournament. He's really one and he jumps off and I'm like, there it was. You lost a bass master's classic. <laughs> so like, I still set it up. Like every time we get one on, I'm like, don't lose it. There's half a million dollars online. Don't lose it. <laughs> you still have that game day of, of that classic moment of really one in and, and that whole adrenaline rush. So I still, I still see it. It's so funny because when I do it to him, he goes, God, it makes me nervous when you start screaming that when I got him all the way out there. And I'm like, you should be in the classic. <laughs> and that arena's <laughs> packed, you know, I'm like, that's when it really gets to you. Yeah, everybody always says when they fish their first class, they're always like, it's just another tournament. I mean, I'm just doing my job. Yeah. But it's it's not. That's bullshit. It ain't just another tournament. It's the biggest, baddest tournament in the world. And it's your first time there. And if I... If I could tell anybody that's going to fish their first classic ever, one piece of advice is take it in. Take it in. Go there to win. Everybody goes there to win. But take that moment in. It'd be the best moment of your life. Take in every moment from the banquet to the media room, every part about it. You need to etch it in your brain. I can remember the first classic. I can remember the sound of the crowd, the smell of the lake. I can remember it like I burnt that in my mind, and I've never forgot what it was like to go there. And I was like, if there's one thing you can do as a fisherman, don't get to this week and wish it away. Don't, don't wish it away. Thinking I wish it hurry up so we can fish the tournament. Enjoy it. Cause it is truly the biggest bass fishing show on earth. I mean, everything they do there is a memorable moment. What's your biggest motivation now? What, 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 
I mean, because realistically, I mean, you're one of the dudes who literally could stop fishing and I believe shift gears into whatever you wanted to do, you know, TV, whether it be online, whatever, but you're obviously very motivated. What motivates you now? It's I, I come into this sport loving to fish, loving to cast that rod and catch that bass. I started making money. I never dreamed of being a social influencer or having an influence on social. I never dreamed of having a fan base. I just simply wanted to go fishing every day and make money. And what drives me the most now, what motivates me is unfinished business. Uh, I've put a few years on, but I, my dream is still growing as bright as it ever to, to, to win the classic. Uh, I just, it's the weirdest thing. You wake up every morning and you think I'm not as good as what I could be if I push myself. So I think it's the weirdest Oh, no. Sorry about that glitch in the system. Last <laughs> live went down. <laughs> but, so what you're saying is you're motivated by <laughs> power outages. It was so good. I was like just sitting there and it was like, you know, when you, the power goes out at the worst time in a movie or at a sports game and the guy, happened. you were like giving it. And I'm just like, and then it went. I looked up and I'm like, oh, we went black screen. This ain't good. This ain't good. But we're back up and running now, ain't we? We are. We're good. We're good. You know, and, and we were talking about what motivates us. And I think um, it'd be a two-part answer here. I was telling you, I, I think I haven't accomplished things I want. I still challenge myself to be better. I still want to be a positive role model for not only my nephew and kids like him, but kids that, that want to have this dream. I want to prove to them that you can do this. You can make a great living. You don't have to win every tournament. You have to be consistent. So I got a lot of those funny personal goals. I got that one toxic trait that wakes up every morning and says, don't suck today. This is your day. You know, I, I'm extremely self-driven like that. Um, you know, want to make your parents proud. It's just something that, like, I guess the love for the game. You know, like, I, I when I'm home, I, I'm fishing – this summer, like I enjoyed being home because I got to fish four-hour tournaments with my nephew and three-hour tournaments. I got to go fish a club tournament the other day, and you know I'm fishing a twenty-boat club tournament, and I'm up at three thirty in the morning, and I get the same jitters when the garage door comes open and the tundra pulls out. I'm like, this is all I know, Dave. Like it's just truly all I know to do is to fish, and I don't think it's hard to erase that. I'm still in love with the details, and I think that's probably what motivates me is I still want to learn more. I, I haven't been burnt out. Like I'm not completely just like, Oh, I'm burnt out on it. I'm like, I want to get better, but it's kind of, it's a toxic trait of being a workaholic and wanting to be better. Do you know any successful people from any walks of life? And I know, you know, a lot of people that don't have that, that don't have that always wanting to improve. I think so. I, I don't, you don't see it. I think that's no. such a fine line. And when, when, when a guy weighs in and, and a lot of times you'll, you'll set the guy up you're like, Hey, are you happy with the day? And if, you know, very few guys will ever just say, well, I'm really, really tickled with today, Dave. You know, you hear a lot of guys will say it very nice and say, you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm pleased with the outcome for what I got started going on, but I got to do better. You know, they, they strive. I think that's a, almost sometimes like my wife says, I almost have this toxic workaholic trait where she said, you just work and work and work and you push yourself. And that's all I know, you know, and, and I tell people that when it comes to fishing or anything, don't be afraid to put 110% in and get your ass kicked and not win. That That's that's when you know you don't love it. Because I have high school kids and college kids, so, man, I, I tried hard. I put a lot of effort into it, man, and it just wasn't working out, so I quit. And I'm like, quit? How long did you do it? And he's like, oh, I did it two years. <laughs> quit? You know, the, the problem is this sport you're chasing and that dream with that Bassmaster Classic trophy – uh, Jordan Lee caught it quick, man. Made it look yeah. easy. Hank Cherry got it twice. A lot of guys have chased their whole life for that trophy and never touched it. It's, it's very elusive. That's the part that drives you. You know, it's not easy to achieve. That's just something that, that I think is a fisherman that drives that guy to be better. It, it will either break you or make you. There's no in-between because you're going to fish your guts out, and you're going to fish good and get beat a lot. That's the simple truth about this sport. I mean, you better be ready to lose. And and here's the weird thing. We all teach kids 
and I'm looking at this and I think we may be screwed up as a generation. Cause you know, I, I, my son hates losing. Like he loses it. Like he, we, he'd storm off the field when he was a little kid and I'd have to go back and get him and say, you can't be a bad loser and everything. But now I realize that I roll down the road with a group of guys that really are just exactly like Jack was when he was a little <laughs> kid. You guys all get pissed when you lose, but it makes me think, is that, you know, in this world for us all to include everybody and make everyone feel good, is that the worst thing we're teaching kids that you should be okay with losing? And I, I, I think it is. I think it's something you should never. I think you. I think you should be okay with shaking the hand of the winner, respectful, and, and be respectful of acknowledging what just happened to you. But I don't think you should ever like it. I don't think you should ever get patted on the back for a good effort. I've seen people grocery shop and put up a good effort. Good effort don't pay the bills. Good effort just means you were there. I think you you should get rewarded when you win, and you should acknowledge it when somebody beats you and shake their hand and and be respectful, but I don't think you should ever like it. it it's not like ice cream. Getting getting the ass whooping is not eating ice cream. You shouldn't like it. You shouldn't get a bowl of ass whooping and say, yeah, I'm, I'm happy losing. I, I hate losing. I mean, I take my nephew, and I we'll come in, and Leanne's always in, and she'll say, well, Trey, how did it work out? You say, oh, Uncle G put me down pretty good. And then the other day, he whooped me, caught all three of them in a Sunday nighter. Come in, she said, how'd it work out? I said, not good at all. <laughs> I said, not good at all. He caught all three of them. You know, I'm I'm still that competitive. And I I don't know. I, I think that the problem is we – some people want to accept mediocrity and say it's okay. It's, it's okay. Not okay. No, no, it's not okay. Now, I'm telling people if you fail at something, it didn't mean you're a failure in life. It means you stumbled today. That's what I try to reiterate because people's like, man, I just I didn't make it efficient. You didn't make it in the time frame that you had. You didn't keep going. But just because you lose at Neely Henry don't mean that you're going to be a loser for the rest of your life. It means that you just hit a bump in the road. You know, look at how many things you tried and you were working on day before you landed on the stage of the Bassmaster. Yeah. You know, you were hustling. You had all kind of side hustle gigs. And if you were to give up, and just said, hey, this is just too much. It doesn't look like I'm ever going to get this. You wouldn't be there. I think that the the sweat equity is what nobody puts a value on now. People want to shortcut it. That's one of my biggest pet peeves with high school fishing and college fishing is everybody wants to shortcut it. Everybody wants to shortcut yeah. it. Yeah. You know, and people call and say, hey, man, I got a son going up here and fishing a high school tournament. Can you give me waypoints? <laughs> I'm like, that's like asking for dirty pictures of Lulu. That's how, I mean, you're like, dude, I've been out there idling for days and days and days and days and days. You don't shortcut that. You don't shortcut knowledge. You know, that's just like calling somebody in college and saying, hey, I heard you got a master's degree. Can you just give me your grades yeah. so I can go get the job? Well, you're still not trained to do the job. Even if you win and advance to the next level, you're not trained. So I, that's like my deal. Sweat equity should be, the most important thing you put into it, you know, and I've preached that to my nephew to sometimes my wife says, you're just too rough on him, but I don't want him to think it's going to be easy. I said, your uncle ain't always going to be here and I'm damn well not going to make it easy on you. And I'm not going to help you unless you're out here working on it. Like if you're, and he's, he's out here every day fishing and that kind of makes me proud because at least I know he's willing to go by himself, do his homework and try. There's nothing wrong with that. I think as no. parents, we want to give our kids you know, you want to get, I, I was guilty of, it. I bought my daughter a car when she turned 16, brand new car, stupidest thing I've ever done. <laughs> stupidest thing I've ever done. Should have bought her an old Cadillac with buckhorns on the front of it. Cause she's going to run over everything, you know? So we want our kids to do better and have more. But I think sometimes the route we take as parents is probably not good by saying, well, I want my son to do good in the tournament. So I'm going to go see if I can find a bunch of people to help him. I understand we want him to do good, but eventually he's got to do it on his own. We should that's want him to saying. earn more, not get more, earn, earn more. more. And that's, that's very well put, you know, don't just cut line to get the big piece of chicken in the cafeteria, get in line and wait your time and then eat what's there. And I'm like, you don't see that anymore. So I, I'm kind of wishing a lot of that would go back to that. When you see a, a kid out there hustling, I always tell everybody, I said, you got to be careful for the guy who's at the lake fishing when nobody's looking. Yeah. There's no Instagram posts. There's no getting likes. He's not making YouTube. He don't have 12 cameras on. He's just out there fishing. That's the kid you better look out for. 
because he ain't in it for the he ain't in it just to get likes. He's in it to get better. That's a tough call. Some people are going to disagree with that and say, Dave, I don't want Swindle back on it. No, dude, I'm just telling Nobody's going to say that. I, I, I see what I see in high school fishing and college fishing. People want to shortcut it. Yeah. And I can promise you, you start going down the list of the greatest bass fishermen of all time, and ain't none of them took a shortcut nowhere. Matter of fact, most of them took the long, hard road. And whenever you see one of them, and I've seen a lot of them come and go, whenever you see one of them, that did the hard work and got to that place, whatever that place was, the moment they stopped giving that hard work, it falls away very, very quick. I mean, it's, and it's the same. I honestly think, and I tell my kids all the time, the two things that are most important in life is, is what you just said. And Mark Zona talked about it when he was on the show. He said, he referred to it as relentlessness, you know, just keep coming back week after week. And just, it's, it's going to happen. And the other thing is just to be somebody that people want to work with. I mean, because talent can get you somewhere, but it's only so far because everybody knows talent cases that didn't weren't relentless and were a jackass huh. to work with, and they go away. But um, sometimes you just got to be too dumb to quit. When the people say, right. "What's the key to having a long career?" and I'm like, <laughs> honestly, and I'm like, it's like I'm too dumb to quit. You know, there's been many times when when it didn't when I when I hadn't even got it actually got a start in my career. If I'd have had any sense, I might not have kept going. You just got to be, like Zona said, you got to be relentless. You got to pay your dues. And I think so many people want it quick, you know, and, and it's the generation we live in. Everything comes at you faster and faster. The fishing doesn't go quick. There's been a few guys. There's Because everybody – there's always that Joe Lee. Hey, you can't – hey, dude, you can't knock the kid. He's young. He won two classics. It don't normally happen that quick. That's that's an anomaly. <laughs> that ain't something that's normal. So fishing, I was like, you got to be patient to catch them, but you got to be patient to catch the sponsors in the long term career because it's not just going to click, you know. And then you got to work on ten or fifteen different parts of your game because it ain't just casting and fishing and throwing and reeling stuff in. It's a media. I mean, it's a whole media platform. It's <laughs> how you handle yourself. It's learning to speak in public. It's how to to carry yourself even when you're angry. What not to say. There's so many things that has to be learned, and I don't know any shortcut around that. I, no, I don't think there is a shortcut to any of that stuff. I mean, it's it, it's there isn't. I mean, there's no shortcut. I mean, not a long-term shortcut, and that's the problem with the world because everybody wants a shortcut. I, I guess I don't. I don't know. I just wish there'd have been a shortcut for me. Oh, well, I mean, there was some gravel road, and I feel like I got drugged down at naked road and peanut butter some days when I got Did you really it. have that moment? Like Seth Fighter talked about driving home from an event and crying, and I keep trying to let you go to go eat your spaghetti, but it's your own damn fault. Yeah, you like to like, talk. <laughs> I've had those moments driving home where I would have long, long talks with myself. Like, you know, you would be at that point where you're like, you got to pick your head up. You got to pick your head up. And I think once you invest that much of your – your heart and soul and something. And it's, it's something I totally suck at. And I don't know why it's like, when I get to that point, an AOI speech or like at the anger of the year deal, when you announced me and having a mic, I don't know what to say, Dave, emotionally. And that's usually with me, I, I can, but there wasn't no words come out. And you, you like the second time I'm looking at you and I'm like, all I could get out was Dave. I just love the fish. I, I didn't know what to say because every, Every early morning boat launch and every cold day when my fingers hurting and every day fishing hungry, that's what goes through that guy's mind. Like Seth Fighter's not just winning AOI this year. He's been winning AOI the last 10 years because he's been training. Yeah. So emotionally, some people, like when that happens, even getting to the banquet and me standing there, I didn't really know what to say because you're so emotionally overcome because it's all you've tried to do. Yeah. So all that emotion comes spilling out where you're like, this didn't happen today. So like I'm standing there. So I'm like, Dave, you got to bail me out of this. Cause I can't get nothing to come out. Like I'm just, dog, I don't know what to say. And I think that's when, you know, the road, the guy took sometimes when I watch guys and I see that happen, I'm like, he's been on the same dirt road with me. You know, he's yeah. been digging his egg and trying to make it. And I think you've seen it. You stood by so many champions so many classic winners. And I'm sure you stood by guys that you thought, I don't know that it meant that much to him. You've seen it every aspect, but it's got to be a good feeling when you announce that and you're looking around going, yep, he's, this is it. 
it, it's the coolest. I mean, that's why I said that's the greatest part of my job to get to be this close to a person when they achieve this great moment of their life. It's also the thing I hate about my job. I'm this close to a person when they're crushed. I mean, dude, I remember the exact feeling when Rojas, <laughs> when you and Rojas were first and second in Flingo Band, dude, I remember as much as Rojas did the weirdest selly ever. I mean, he must yeah. 100% Rojas practiced that at home in front of a mirror. Um, but, he did, but I do like Rojas. Um, but he wins and you lost. But you, I mean, you had a dead fish, but you should have won the tournament, whatever. But dude, I felt it's almost like you feel it from both sides. You just feel one side go, yep. and, and all you could, all I could do is I have to, for a few seconds go, that side doesn't exist. Let's make yep. it matter for this person. It would be tough. Cause you're, you're by that time, you're emotionally tied on both sides. You know, everybody you see it, but that's the cool part about fishing is watching that story unfold where guys climb and try and try and try. And that's, I enjoyed watching that this year. There were some really cool wins. Uh, the Lee Livesey win was pretty awesome. Uh, watching Tiku Taco, was yeah, pretty awesome. Like there were some really good memories. Like I'm looking back at this year, going, I'm never going to forget that. Yeah, man, that was a cool one. I mean, that was another perfect example of me being a weird. I've known Corey Johnson since he was literally knee high to me. You know what I mean? And to he, trust me, that win means as much to him. But there's nobody on earth when you saw what Takumi did that they can't. I mean, the two could hardly speak English the first time I met him. And to, so to overcome everything. And that's what fishing is, though, to me. That's the amazing thing. Like, it's impossible. There's a million chat boards that will tell you you can't do it unless you're rich. You can't do it unless you have 45 graphs on your boat. You can't do And for every one of those arguments, there's a dude who just fishes every day and does it. Yep, I tell them all that. I said, looking for excuses. If you look hard enough, you can find them. But yeah. there, there's no such thing. It, is it an uphill climb? Yeah, yeah. But if it was a downhill slide, there'd be all kind of champions at the bottom. That's why it's faced uphill. Because see, yeah. everybody's not going to get up there. But it's possible. Because if one guy got up there, you know there's a path that the second guy can get up there. And I said, when you think about it like that, there's a lot of people that's made the same hike as you have. You just can't give up on it. But it's there, so don't – when people's like, oh, my kid don't have the money, he don't – hey, hey, hey. We <laughs> – when I was little, dude, if we didn't wake up with something prized in our riches in the morning on Christmas Day, we didn't have nothing to play with. I know what poor's been about. So don't hand me that, that you don't have a MasterCard. A lot of people out here come up with no money. A lot of people. A lot of people, they found a way. And so a lot of – that's a misconception that everybody come from money. No, no, they didn't. Most people come from not money. That's why they chose that route. This is they're doing it for the love of the game. I love the game. I love the game that you're a big part of, Gerald Swindle. And you know what I love? It's real easy for somebody to celebrate a win that they have. But I love somebody that loves the game enough that you celebrate other. You know what I mean? Like for you to bring up other anglers and to, dude. I feel like last question. Do you think Gerald Swindle today? How different is Gerald Swindle today to Gerald Swindle? 10, 15 years ago. I feel, I, I just, from the outside, I feel like you're a lot more at peace. Like you notice more, things different now. It's I see things a lot different than I used to. Uh, 15, 18 years ago, it was so tunnel vision that it was real easy to only see things your way. And now I find myself fishing and looking at things different. I, 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 I see what other anglers doing. I watch pollinate. Like I, I watch guys get on a row and I'm just sitting and I admire it. And I see weird things that I come down and I write about fishing a club tournament. I totally see a different picture than I seen 15 or 20 years ago. I see things that you wouldn't think because people think like a lot of stuff goes on in my head, but some of the simplest things is what stands out. You know, uh, one of the greatest moments this year to me in the elite series is probably what nobody would ever dream it would be. It's when Bill Lowen's daughter messed up on the national anthem and kept singing. Cause you know what it showed me right then? There's a young lady that's been in the spotlight, started singing, made a mistake. Now, how easy would it have been for a child, take fishing out of it, to walk off? Yeah. And it set the standard in her mind that if mama, if I trip up or fall, I just quit. And what does she do? She started over and she nailed it. That's the stuff I see in life. And I'm like, that's good stuff. So a lot of times what people think I'm looking at is probably not even what I see you truly see a different world. 
The world I still, you. I, I still cuss a lot, but I see a different world. <laughs> you don't cuss near as much as some, but the world you see is is an amazing world, G. And and I don't want to take any more of your time because I can hear the the dishes clinking back there. And he's ready. We're gonna get he's ready. ready. I got I've got the thirteen guys in, and then we're actually working on uh to next two days. We're gonna work on my signature series rods that we're trying to get out before next year, full lineup of Gerald Swindle rods and reels. So if guys say, Hey, what is pros doing in the off season? Y'all just deer hunt. No, there's a lot of homework to be done behind the scenes. So it's been two days of R and D and get out there and try to develop the best product I can for the fans. And I guess I'll be seeing you. Are you coming to the Toyota owners tournament this year? I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. That's, oh. that's the plan. That's you heard plan. that Lulu. I, I believe so. I mean, I, I have, I'm not sure. I mean, he I, did not say I that. Think it is, uh, think it is <laughs> breaking 50, up 50 now. Chance. I'm going to be MC in a tournament. I can see this coming, right? Do you now. really care whether I'm coming or are you asking me just so you don't have to MC? Ah, I can't <laughs> confirm or deny that. <laughs> I'll see uh, you. I'll all see right. You. All right. Well, I'll see you on all those other podcasts you're doing this week, Gerald. What do you got? 14 or 15 of them? We're just the opening act for straight casts. Actually, I got Pat Rose radio show tomorrow night. Love Pat Rose. The next night, which those guys are out there. Uh, You're number one in my heart and the brochure. Good, good. Yeah, we got some things going. I love you, dude. You're the Thanks for having me on, Dave. It's always fun. Uh, I think nobody ever sees the side of you and I that people think we're shallow and just laugh a lot, but it's weird when we sit down, we have some of the same thought process. It's like a lot of smiles, but behind those smiles, people are looking. They're like soaking everything in. One of my favorite people to talk to, dude. Thank you very much. Forget him, us. Y'all have a good one. And say hi to the boys at 13. I will do it. See you. The incomparable Gerald Swindle. And that might not have been the Gerald Swindle interview that so many of you were expecting. I mean, um, you get so accustomed to just pure hilarity all the time. But but when me and G get together, we like to get deep. We're like we're we're like an onion. We we've got layers, and hopefully you enjoyed some of the layers, and hopefully you enjoyed the topic this week. Because if you ask me, what screamed to me is work ethic, hard work ethic, and commitment, and that's what it takes to make it in any passion, any sport, anything that there are a lot of people trying to do, what gets you there is work ethic. There is no days off. There is no, well, it's good enough or when we have time. There's getting it done. There's being relentless. And if you work real hard and you're real relentless, you end up being freaking Gerald Swindle. And I thank him for being our guest this week. Go out there. Have a good week, everybody. Enjoy the NFL. Go Chiefs or that college sports or or just enjoy fishing, whatever you do, just be happy. The world has got enough negative things going on in the world. We just get together for about an hour every week and and talk fishing-related things, and that's all. I mean, it's just a... You're just talking to a Zoom camera. We don't need to take it too serious. Enjoy, Bean, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for watching. Please like comment and subscribe because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to. You hear?